Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church celebrates Easter Sunday, the unimaginable event in which Jesus rises from the dead. And so Easter is a day that makes all things different. Easter is the epicenter of all Christianity. It defines who we are and what we do as Catholics. Now, if you look at the Gospels, the New Testament epistles, the writings of the early church fathers, they're all centered around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul puts it best in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. He says, If Christ had not risen from the dead, your faith is in vain. Well, that is so true. More to it, we come to Mass every Sunday, especially this Sunday, Easter, because we want something that transcends the limitations of this world. And see, this is why we pray every day. We go to Mass every week. We engage stewardship, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, because we come and we seek something that transcends the limitations of this world. What is it? God and the resurrection that he promises each and every one of us if we believe in him. We as Catholics believe that we are all made in the image and likeness of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. And we all have an infinite longing for the divine in our life, and only God can satisfy that longing. Well, today we celebrate how the resurrection satisfies that longing. Also, the resurrection eases our greatest anxiety, quells our deepest fears, which is the finality of death. Well, Jesus' victory over death through his resurrection gives us all the hope that we too We'll participate in that victory one day ourselves. Now, turn to the gospel. Notice how Luke's gospel begins. At daybreak, on the first day of the week. Well, stop right there. Luke is now reaching all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. And he reaches back to the story of creation. And he wants to put the story of creation parallel to the resurrection story of Jesus Christ. Now realize, the story of creation was the greatest story in the Old Testament. And so Luke is telling us from the very beginning of this gospel that he is trying to equate that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest story in the New Testament, probably the entire Bible. Go back to the story of creation. God is doing something unimaginable. He's creating this entire universe. He's creating us, humanity, out of nothing, ex nihilo. Before the fall of grace, it said God walked in easy fellowship with Adam and Eve in the cool evening of the garden. God set everything the way it was meant to be. We were meant to have a right relationship with God, to walk in easy friendship with God, always. Well, what went wrong? 
everything got messed up with a bad meal. Yeah, a bad meal. Think of it, Adam and Eve eating that forbidden fruit. When they did that, yes, they ushered in sin. But most importantly, they ruined or fractured the friendship that we had with God. And then the plan of salvation began. And it culminates in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here, God the Father does something again, unimaginable. He raises his dead son from the dead so that Jesus dies no more and will live for all of eternity. More to it, Jesus now gives us the promise that we, if we believe in him, we will follow in the resurrection ourselves. But also, in the resurrection, we are restored to a right relationship with God, the way it was meant to be from the very beginning. Now, the story continues. It says, they saw the burial clothes in the tomb. Now, the burial clothes are trappings of death. Jesus no longer needs those burial clothes because he is alive. That's why he leaves them behind in the tomb where they belong. Remember the story of Lazarus. Jesus raises Lazarus, he calls him out of the tomb, and Lazarus walks out of the tomb. But he's wearing or bearing the clothing of death, his burial clothes. Why? Because Lazarus had to die again. It was not a resurrection for Lazarus. It was a resuscitation. That's why Lazarus is immediately executed right after Jesus dies on the cross. But Jesus, his is a true resurrection. He leaves behind those burial clothes because he has no need of them. Death is not the finality of us anymore. Instead, it's the resurrection. Next in the story, the women go back to the apostles and announce that they've seen the tomb empty. Now, it's interesting their response. The apostles, it says, the story seemed nonsense and they didn't believe. But then it says that Peter got up. He raced to the tomb, looked in, and then he went home amazed. Now, Peter, of all the apostles, he's the only one that gets up and runs to the tomb to see if the tomb really is the way the women reported. Of all the people, Peter, he's the one that denied Jesus three times, and yet he's the one that gets up immediately. He's most concerned. He still has hope. Well, shortly after, Jesus will appear to the twelve apostles, and he will appear to others, for example, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And when the apostles see Jesus risen from the dead, then they truly believe. And what's important to note is they are so compelled to proclaim the resurrection. In fact, the one thing the apostles proclaimed the first few years of our early church was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did they talk about the miracles of Christ? Yes, but that came later on. Did they talk about Jesus' teaching and his way of life? Yes, but that came later on. The one thing the apostles talked about the first few years of our early church Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. That's how much of a profound impact the resurrection had upon the apostles. Now, stay with the apostles. If we look at all four of the Gospels, essentially we see a movement of faith with the apostles. It first begins when Jesus recruits the apostles. They have faith, but it's tenuous at best. It goes hot and cold. But the more that they are around Jesus... The more that they spend time with him, eat with him, listen to him, teach, their faith grows. 
until after the resurrection, now their faith is solid and strong and ready to continue the mission of Jesus Christ, the mission of the church. You know, that's a great lesson for each and every one of us. Faith does not come fast. It doesn't come overnight. It takes time. It can be slow and subtle. Why? Because faith is essentially a relationship with God and Jesus Christ. I'll give you a good analogy. In order to form any type of relationship, whether it's friendship or maybe a future spouse, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight or immediately. There's that initial getting acquainted period. This then transcends into a friendship. Now both people begin to trust each other. Both parties come to rely upon each other. They come to know each other better and better. And this then transcends, if friendship, to maybe best friends, where they trust one another, they care for each other. If it's a spousal relationship, what transcends is mutual love, a giving and receiving of love. But in both relationships, each person finds fulfillment and joy. Well, the same thing holds true with faith. It takes time. It takes time for us to cultivate. It takes time for God to nurture a loving relationship with Him. What do we have to do? We have to take the time. We have to take the time to pray every day, go to Mass every week, engage stewardship, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We have to work on a relationship with God. We have to do the same thing as the apostles. We have to spend more and more time with God. And then we see that movement of faith within ourselves, just like the apostles. One last thing to think about. In the second reading, we hear Paul boldly proclaim that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Well, when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to only a few select people. Primarily, yes, his apostles, a few disciples, his followers, hopefully to his mother. So it begs the question, why? Why just a select few? Why didn't he just appear to the whole world and immediately the whole world would believe in Jesus and convert to Christianity? And so it begs the question, why? I think Cardinal John Henry Newman gives us the best answer. He says, it's for the sake of the mission. For the sake of the mission of the church. Remember the Great Commission. Before Jesus ascends back into heaven, He tells the apostles, he commissions them to go and proclaim the good news to all the nations. Well, I think in the second reading for today, Paul reminds us that even though it's 2,000 years later and we're living in the 21st century, that still is the mission of our church, to bring Jesus Christ to the world. How do we do it? Well, actions speak louder than words. How we live out our faith, how we practice our faith, is the best way to proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he now lives in each and every one of us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.